Calling all trivia nerds, Brittany here, and I host the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast with my best friend, Meredith. Is your next car ride looking like a snooze fest? We've got The Cure, three rounds of awesome trivia every week. Harry Potter, Disney, science, sports, you name it. No more silent car troubles. The Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Connect, laugh, and learn with your kids, big and small. (laughs) New episodes every week, wherever you get your podcasts. Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast. Hello, culture kids. Welcome to our show. We are a family podcast dedicated to empowering a generation of kind and empathetic creators and citizens of the world. Join us today as we visit Cape Town, South Africa with our guest, Elsha Baster from Cape Town Culinary Tours. Hello, culture kids. Welcome to the show. My name is Asher and I'm your host along with my mom, Kristen. Culinary Tours explores the city of Cape Town, one bite at a time. Climb aboard, and here is your ticket to the culture train. Hurry, come grab a seat. Welcome to Cape Town, South Africa a city famous for its stunning natural beauty, including the iconic Table Mountain. Oh, yeah. It has diverse cultures, beautiful beaches, and a mix of modern urban life and historical sites. The city offers a range of activities from surfing to exploring vineyards, making it a popular destination for families everywhere. Let's meet our guest, Miss Elsha. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Hey, Asher. Hey, Culture Kids and Kristen. Thanks for having me. Can you tell us about yourself? Of course. My name is Elsha Bester. I grew up in Johannesburg. I moved around in South Africa quite a lot, so I know a lot about South Africa. So I made it Cape Town my home about seven years ago. It's been my home. I live here with my husband. I've got two dogs. And yeah. Cool. Can you tell us more about Cape Town and how it was founded? So Cape Town is very special because obviously we have uh, people that has lived in uh, South Africa for thousands of years, which we also know as the Khoi and the Sand people. And then uh, about 330 odd years ago, um, we had the Dutch arrived, which was in 1652, which was a gentleman named Jan van Riebeek. And he was quite the adventurer and traveler. And he found Cape Town, which was then known as the Cape of Storms. Why? Because it's so stormy? Yeah, because it was so stormy trying to get into Cape Town. And he made Cape Town the fresh water supply stop for a lot of the other travelers that came by. So over the course of the next 300 years, we had the Dutch and the British 
um, kind of fight over <laughs> who wanted Cape Town. Um, during that period, we obviously founded more north parts of South Africa, which we knew as Pretoria or Johannesburg, and they became big capitals. Um, so we had so many different influences actually come to Cape Town. Some for work and some was not so pleasurable, obviously, in certain times of our history. Cape Town has a complex history of both wonderful moments and some very difficult ones. Its history stands as a testament to the strength and diversity of its people. Despite the challenging times, Cape Town has emerged as a vibrant, unique, and multicultural city that is visited by millions of families all over the world. If you would like to learn more about the rich history of Cape Town, ask your grown-ups to check out the links under show notes. Even though this is my first time learning about Cape Town, Mommy says it's very diverse and people speak lots of languages. Thank you, Asher. Cape Town and South Africa give thanks to a lot of our history because it actually built a lot of our cultural diversities. So how many languages are there in Cape Town? Great question. We've got 11 official languages. Wow. 11? Yep. What? So for us, that's quite exciting, especially if you go to school, you can also choose your languages. So your home language could maybe be Afrikaans, or it could be Kosa, it could be Zulu. Um, oh, there is so many um, different languages in South Africa. That is like many countries around the world. Hmm. Yes, exactly. People in South Africa speak different languages because various cultural groups with their own unique traditions and histories live there. Some areas like the Western Cape, where we are in at Cape Town, we uh, speak predominantly Kosa. But if you go to uh, Johannesburg, they, there's a lot more Zulu. But in between, there's a lot of Afrikaans. So it just really depends on which towns you are from. Could you share with our listeners a bit more about the Kosa language? So Kosa is spoken by the Kosa people. We've got, we've got so many different tribes in South Africa and in Africa, and they have their own languages. So Kosa people speak Kosa, and Afrikaans people speak Afrikaans, and um, it, it just really depends on where you're from. So as Miss Elsha mentioned, Kosa is one of the most widely spoken languages in South Africa and one of the largest ethnic groups there. The Kosa language is known for its distinct click sounds, which is important to the language's pronunciation. Nelson Mandela, the former president of South Africa, was a native Kosa speaker. The language sounds very unique because I don't know any other language that has click sounds like that. Actually, several other languages across the African continent have distinct click sounds in their speech. These clicks not only add beauty to the language, but also contribute to their unique charm. Wait, in English? Do people speak English there like you do? Oh, absolutely. The, the fun part of coming to South Africa, we all speak English. So it's quite easy to get along with everyone here. Cool. So here at Culture Kids, we love learning about food from different countries because it always brings people together. Hooray! I mean, everybody loves good food. And trying new food from different countries helps us make new friends. Yeah! 
and understand what other families are like. Exactly. Could you share some common flavors or spices popular in Cape Town that you talk about during the tours? Oh, absolutely. Something that you will pick up in the history of South Africa and Cape Town. Cape Town started the spice route. Was where the British or in the Dutch kind of went to India and they kind of collected spices, India, Malaysia, Sri Lanka, Madagascar, you know, brought all these spices down uh, from different parts on different sides of Africa and came to Cape Town and we formed a, a palette that was is now known to South Africa. And a lot of people, if you go to the Boerkop, it's known as the Cape Malayne spices, the Cape Malayne um, ingredients. It's, it's very much vivid in all our flavors. Cape Malay? Hmm. What's that? Like Malaysia, the country? Mm -hmm. I know Malaysia. The Cape Malay people in South Africa are descendants of Southeast Asian, African, and European settlers. Got it. They have a rich culture that blends elements of Malaysian, Indonesian, and African traditions. Over time, they became a big part of South Africa's culture, especially in the Western Cape region. So could you share some of the popular spices in Cape Malayan culture? We definitely have a what everybody kind of blends and makes their own kind of Cape Malayan spices with. We, we do the same, but it just depends on kind of like the heat that you can handle or the curry that you want. Um, so a lot of the time, things like saffron. So then we had other spices like your aniseed or star anise or uh, again, cumin fresh cumin and we grind it up ourselves and uh, fennel we love fennel love coliander so that goes in all our meats and everything uh, but cinnamon as well with cinnamon we like to use for sweet and for sour and for spicy and for salty we, we put all of those together oh yeah cool I don't really know about any of these spices but they sound really different and cool that's a good point Asher it's because in our family, we use a lot of spices from East Asian countries like soy sauce, sesame seed oil, red peppers, and garlic. It's always interesting to see how different countries around the world focus on certain spices while others do not. <laughs> Could you tell us about some of your favorite dishes that you'd like to share during your tours? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I don't know how it happened in history, but we've got a lot of food that starts with the letter B. So my favorite on all the tours, uh, we have it on every tour, is Babuti. Babuti, B-O-B-O-T-I-E. What is it like? It's almost what a lot of people would know as maybe a shepherd's pie or a slop joe. And so many of our food and dishes comes from different cultures. And this dish is one of our oldest. I mean, this was first found in a 1600s cookbook and then again in a 1700s Dutch cookbook. Wow. But the base of Babuti and a lot of our flavors um, is all known as Cape Malay. And that's made with a ground beef. For many years ago, not everybody could afford beef. So a lot of people used a lot of vegetarian ingredients. So anything from lentils to chickpeas to potatoes. So depending on what you had available to you, you made this dish. Sounds warm and hearty. It really does. Definitely sounds like something I would love to eat. We've got 
the other bee, which is Boerewoord, which is almost like a sausage, but it's known as like Brachtwoord. So if you go to Germany, they've got something very similar, but ours is made from ground beef with a lot of cardamom, yes, but also pepper and salt and oh, it's beautiful flavors with this ground beef into the sausage. So both dishes you shared start with the letter B. <laughs> Are there any other B dishes? Uh, we've got bunny chow. Bunny chow is the kid's favorite. Bunny chow is basically a loaf of bread that is hollowed out and stuffed with lamb or beef curry or vegetable curry. It's very fun with your coleslaw salad on the side. That kind of sounds like a dumpling, but easier to make. Exactly. Bunny chow, so cute. <laughs> An awesome dish called chakalaka. Chakalaka basically means all together, and that is uh, anything from uh, green peppers to onions to uh, carrots. Uh, and then we put a little bit of heat and spices in there to kind of add to the flavor. Yummy, yummy, yummy. Everything you described sounds delicious and also a unique blend of many flavors that are complex and the result of lots of different cultures living there. So barbecuing with friends and family is one of our favorite things to do with friends, which is a very popular tradition here in America. Oh yeah, and Korean barbecue too. I'm curious, do you have your own unique way of barbecuing in your culture too? There, there is definitely a few, but then I would kind of have to hammer on one, which is our South African braai. So braai is like barbecue for you guys, because it's not just the method of cooking the meat, it's also the community that we create in that specific day or at that specific event because it's preparing the food and the meat, everything beforehand. And, you know, all the grandparents and the family kind of coming together and then sitting around this big fire. For us, this is, we're very proud of it. Uh, and Braai is definitely what we do maybe ooh, three, four times a week. Awesome. So how do you cook the meat? We in South Africa believe cooking on wood. So we love cooking on wood and open fire. You can still use charcoal or gas, but we believe that the flavor of fire has a very big significant influence to um, how we cook our meat. I'm fascinated by the fact that barbecuing is a tradition that is practiced in nearly every culture around the world. Despite the differences in cooking methods, the purpose of barbecues remain the same across all cultures, and it's to bring the community together. It's a wonderful reminder that although we may be different, we are all connected through these shared traditions. Okay, so it's finally time to learn about what Asher has been waiting for this whole time. And just in case you didn't catch that, Asher meant to say dessert with two S's. <laughs> so could you tell us about some popular desserts that you share during your tours? One of our favorite donuts, which is called a Kusister oh. with kind of chai spice inside. 
it, it's the easiest dessert to make. And you can, and the joy of it, you can eat many. It, you don't have to worry about it's too much sugar, you can have five, and it's still okay with your mom. Wow. Cool, sisters. Sounds like a very fancy donut. Yes, yeah. So, so Coo Sisters, uh, again, is one of the easiest donuts, I would say, to make. Um, and you need the basic ingredients, which is your flour, your yeast, which I like to add a bit to just make it a little bit more fluffy. Um, and then water. So adding your a bit of cinnamon, your star anise. Again, if you look at your spice chai kind of flavors, you can kind of add that in there as well. If you let it rest a little bit, obviously because you wanted to get as fluffy as possible, like a bread. Um, and then you get your oil to a nice um, hot temperature, not too hot. Um, and then you just make really nice, either like round little balls, or you can, we like to make them a little bit more like a, almost like an almond shape. But balls? There's no hole in the middle? That is a big thing to note. Uh, there is no hole in this donut. And then you dip it into your hot oil. Immediately they will puff up. As soon as it turns brown, you take it off, let it cool down, roll it into your syrup and your coconut uh, shavings, and voila. This sounds so yummy. Sounds similar to how you would make a donut here in America too, except for the fancy and colorful spices. I think we have time to learn about one more dessert. Could you share another important one? South Africa is known for something called mulfa pudding, but that's also, it's a, a sponge cake, which is then drowned in butter and brown sugar um, syrup. And then afterwards we just add some custard. Stop it! Mulfa? What is mulfa? Mulfa is also, if you look at the plant called mulfa pelagonium, it grows indigenously on our mountains. And we used to actually infuse our cakes with these uh, flowers. And it gave that, that beautiful rose geranium mulfa flavor to it. And, and then we got the name, mulfa pudding. Thank you for explaining that. So it's a leafy plant with pretty pink or purple flowers. I guess the plant does look sweet. And grown-ups, you can check out our Instagram page at Culture Kids Media for some photos of these delicious desserts along with images of the mulfa plant. full from all the desserts. Me too. Cape Town certainly is a unique city and full of so many different languages and different cultures. 11 official languages! Exactly. It definitely is a reminder that there's not just one South African culture. Yeah, that is a very valid thing to say. There's different tribes and there is many different cultures, but there is no just one culture. It is what makes us so unique. It's maybe what makes us so controversial locally, but also internationally. But definitely our food is, is a melting pot of so many parts of the world. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you, Miss Elsha. Before we end our episode, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, for all the grown-ups out there, definitely come visit us in Cape Town. We are Cape Town Culinary Tours and we look forward to showing you the foodie side of Cape Town. And our website is www.capetownculinarytours.com. 
Our Instagram handle is ct.culinary. Facebook page is just at Cape Town Culinary. Thank you again for being on our show. We hope to see you soon. Asher, Kristen, thank you so much. I will chat to you guys again soon. Can I go first? Yes. I have a good one. Knock, knock. Who's there? Broccoli. Broccoli who? Broccoli doesn't have a last name, you silly. (laughs) Ah, That's a good one. Okay, I'm going to do a knock, knock joke too. Knock, knock. Who's there? Onion. Onion who? Onion Mark. Get set. I get it, I get it, because on your mark, onion. Yep, exactly. (laughs) Thank you for tuning in this week. Check out our show notes or visit our Instagram page at Culture Kids Media to find out how you can join our fun upcoming episodes. We're excited for both grown-ups and kids to be a part of our show. We'd greatly appreciate it if you could take a moment to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Your support helps us grow and reach more families, enabling us to broaden children's horizons about diverse cultures. Thank you for being a part of this journey with us. Thanks for listening. See you later. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now.